Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, my friends. And I'm no, I'm not referring to the man in the red suit with the black boots and the pipe and the rosy cheeks that comes down your chimney every 24th of December in the evening. No, I'm referring to the Democratic Party, the Washington establishment elites, and some of the rhinos who think that they're Santa Claus. Judging by the way they've packed the pork and stuffed the stockings with this latest excuse for a COVID-19 relief bill. Hi, everyone. I'm Jamie Dury, and welcome to another National Preview Online podcast. If you have not already done so, please do us a favor and subscribe to the show. You can do so by going either to the iTunes App Store and click subscribe if you found your way to the podcast that way. Ditto for the Google Play Store. And for those of you who prefer to use neither of those avenues, by all means, Download the Podbean app, the free Podbean app to your phone. Podbean.com is our hosting service, as it is for many other podcasters. And you can subscribe to the show and view it that way. Anyway, you slice it as long as you subscribe. You'll always be notified when the new show is uploaded, and you won't miss a thing. If you can, please see it in your hearts in this time of Christmas cheer to give us a positive review. Make a few comments. The more comments and reviews you get, uh, we get rather, from you, the more likely the show will pop up in search requests when people are looking for news commentary shows and the show will just continue to grow. Uh, Before I go any further, I want to give a big thank you to my friends down under in Australia who have been listening to the show. We've been running a Facebook ad campaign there and the Response has been excellent, and so we're very, very pleased with that. Uh, Also, we've just begun an advertising campaign in India. Uh, That has been going very, very well, and uh, we're looking forward to expanding the show down there as well. But right now, we're turning our attention back to the problem at hand, this COVID relief bill, or this excuse for a COVID relief bill. Leave it to the Democrats, leave it to the Washington establishment, Republicans, and so forth, to pack things full of pork. Now, unless you've had your head buried under the sand for the last year, you know that the COVID-19 virus, or rather the government's response to it, be it the local government, especially the local government in places like New York, my home state, where we have an idiot for a governor, uh, has crippled this country. The local government's response to this pandemic, which is not a pandemic, as I've said before, uh, is crippling this country. President Trump, to his credit, brought major relief to people with those two big, uh, with that big stimulus payment and the expanded unemployment um, supplemental benefit, which helped a lot of us get through the early part of the pandemic. But as that ran out and the monies that come from state unemployment is limited, the Paycheck Relief Program exhausted, and further and further restrictions being placed on businesses when they should be beginning to be lifted by now, uh, more people are finding themselves in extreme economic circumstances. So the Congress, after more than six months of gridlock, see, now they're happy to give money away again because the election's over. 
or at least they think it's over. And so there's no need to hold off because anything we pass now, we'll just play it off like we did it. And it really wasn't done by President Trump or under his watch. We'll just fake it. We're going to get the money to people in time for Christmas and all that. So they come up with a stimulus package worth $900 billion. And it's combined with a $1.4 trillion omnibus spending bill and several other legislative proposals. This according to the Epic Times. Now, the agreement leaves out two main sticking points in the talks, a liability shield for businesses against COVID-19 litigation and funding for state and local governments. The deal, in many ways, resembles recent proposals from a bipartisan group of lawmakers and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, both of which cost over $900 billion, the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget stated in a report that analyzed the relief deal. Now, the question becomes, $900 billion is a lot of change. Who's getting all this money? Well, it might surprise you that the people getting the money are not exactly the people that you think are getting the money. Let's go over a few little notations here. First of all, the Kennedy Center. The Kennedy Center, well, let's get, the Kennedy Center is getting $26,400,000. The Kennedy Center. Now, the Kennedy family is pretty rich. You think they could have spared a few dollars to the Kennedy Center rather than, uh, or maybe just forego it altogether rather than take money that could be sent to Americans? How many Americans could get a check if we divided up that 26400000 Because the Kennedy Center uh, needs 26400000 like a bald man needs a hairnet. The Smithsonian Institution is getting $1 billion. I guess the Smithsonian is like a government thing. I, I guess they couldn't tighten up their belt during this time. The National Art Gallery getting $154 million because Lord knows Everyone needs art during this, this, this COVID crisis. Uh, the National Art and Humanities, getting $167 million. The W. Wilson Center, $14 million. They must be low on the feeding, feeding uh, hierarchy. I mean, it just, it just doesn't stop. But let's, let's not just stop there. Foreign countries. Egypt, getting $1,300,000,000. The Sudan because we know that they're important to the cultural lexicon of the world with all the sand that they have, $700 million to them, $453 million to the Ukraine, $500 million to Israel. Well, that I don't mind. They're one of our few allies. $130 million to Nepal. $135 million to Burma. $85,500,000 to Cambodia. million to Pakistan so they can have a gender study. And the Asia RIA, which I don't even know what the hell it is, gets $1,400,000. Now, if this seems like a lot of money that's unexplained as to where it's going, you're quite correct. You're quite correct. But there's more. There's more. There's $4 billion for New York's MTA as part of bailouts for mass transit systems. I wouldn't bail out New York's MTA for all the tea in China. They didn't stop. 
They didn't shut down as they were supposed to. Not a single union worker for a, for a municipal government has been laid off. They're all making money. The people who pay the taxes that pay their salaries have been laid off, and they're not making money. But all of them are making money. $15 billion has been earmarked toward grant programs for live entertainment venues, such as Broadway. Do you know that Jerry Seinfeld personally lobbied Chuck Schumer to get money for comedy clubs? Yep. There's a lot of comedy clubs in New York. Yeah, a lot. Yeah. And, and we know that we can't function without a comedy club. I mean, I could argue why we even need a comedy club. You got plenty of laughs going around just watching Cuomo and de Blasio try and pretend that they're a governor and a mayor. $7 billion for expanding broadband access. Now, here's one little item that I agree with, but I don't think it should be in a COVID bill. $1.4 billion for a construction of a wall on the southern U.S. border. That's additional wall. Now, we have a new law saying that violating copyright laws with unauthorized online streaming will become a felony, punishable by five years in prison for first offenses and 10 years for repeat offenses. Uh, Another rule saying the U.S. Postal Service can no longer deliver e-cigarettes. New museums on the National Mall that will focus on Latinos and women. These were pushed by Senator Robert Menendez, who should be in jail, and Representative Carolyn Maloney. Uh, A declaration condemning a possible role by the Chinese Communist Party in the selection of Tibet's next Dalai Lama. The current Tibet Buddhist religious leader is 85. 500 million earmark for Israel. We already covered that. That's fine. Now, 250 million over five years for Palestinian economic aid. This was pushed by New York Representative Nita Lowy, because she has a lot of Arabs, I'm sure, in her constituency. $101 million to combat transnational threat of wildlife poaching and trafficking. $2.5 million for internet freedom programs in closed societies. $10 million for gender programs meant to help women get education and start businesses in Pakistan. Good luck with that. Now, why do I mention all this and go over all these this lengthy uh, presentation of all these places that money's going to. Well, I, I mention it because you'll notice that there is a, a common thread through all of it. And that common thread is that none of it has anything to do with COVID relief. It's got a lot to do with pork, but it has nothing to do with COVID relief. When I think of COVID relief, I think of the average American man or woman trying to raise their family or survive on their own if they're not married and they're single or trying to keep their businesses afloat. And the businesses that, or the business category that comes most to mind here in New York, the one that has been most visibly destroyed, almost as if there was a campaign to destroy it. In fact, I would argue that if you had a campaign to destroy the restaurant business, which is the businesses of which I speak, it couldn't be any more brutal than what's going on right now. The petty fines, the flexing of the bureaucratic muscles against them, yet there's not one dime in this specifically earmarked to help people in the restaurant businesses. You have these pathetic uh, paycheck protection program extensions, but no grant of money that they can just keep for the restaurant businesses. They can give $1.3 billion to Egypt 
They can give $700 million to the Sudan, not alone. They're just giving it away, like the jolly old fellow in the red suit. But they can't give squat to people trying to run a restaurant in New York City and elsewhere in this country that have been devastated. Restaurants in Pennsylvania, restaurants in New Jersey, restaurants in the Big Apple. Some of them iconic restaurants who are not going to survive and they're never going to come back. But what do we have for the American people? We have supplemental unemployment insurance at a level of 300 a week and a one-time $600 per individual, $1,200 per family, per couple, stimulus package. That's it. That's all they could come up with out of the $900 billion. Out of that $900 billion COVID bill, only $198 billion, ladies and gentlemen, actually goes into the pockets of Americans. And while they were at it, they decided to make it that families of illegal immigrants could get stimulus checks. I don't think anybody who's an illegal immigrant should get anything. They're already getting a free ride and a blessing just for being in this country. The alternative is they could always go back to whatever one-horse dump town they came from, but they don't belong here. They violated our laws to get here. I'll be goddamned if I'm going to reward them. But welcome to the world after Donald Trump if he's unsuccessful in remaining in office. This is what they've been waiting for. This is what you voted for if you voted for Joe Biden. You voted for money going to every other goddamn place except to you. And if you're bitching about it now, tough shit. You voted for it. Now, I'm bitching about it, but I have a right to bitch about it. And my listeners have a right to bitch about it because we didn't vote for this crap. We voted for Donald Trump. And Donald Trump is still not quitting. He said, I don't care what you do. If you don't fix this bill, I'm vetoing it. If you got money to give to all these third world countries, then you can do better than giving $600 to an American citizen. You can give them two grand. And if you don't, my veto pen is coming out. So even after being treated the way he has been by the media, Donald Trump, you can say what you want. He isn't forgetting that he's here to serve the American people, not to serve foreign interests. And he's insisting that they get more than they've gotten. And even $2,000 for an individual, not a bad chunk of change, but not for a business. I think that more has to be done. And I'm sure the president will support that. I think we need to trim all this fat, get rid of all this money going to Sudan for all their sand and going to Egypt and uh, to, the, to the Palestinians and to every other, pl- Burma, Cambodia, Pakistan. Let's take that $26 million 400,000 going to the Kennedy Center. Let's get rid of that. Let's take the 1 billion going to the Smithsonian. Let's redistribute that. We'll give it to some restaurant owners. There's plenty of money here to go around. But why does Congress do this all the time? The second they think they're out from under the thumb of Donald Trump, we get a 5,593-page bill that nobody's going to read but every congresswoman and congressman is expected to sign on to, and every senator is expected to vote for. And this is exactly what's wrong with the country. 
We have an elite class that doesn't give a shit about you, your families, or your futures. All they're interested in is taking money and giving it to people that they want to give it to to feather their own nest because they all got favors coming back in. This is how people like Nancy Pelosi are worth $25 million working nothing but a government job. How does that happen? This is how a man like Joe Biden is able to afford four lakefront mansions, never having worked for anybody but the United States government for 47 years. How do you do this? What does it take to buy four mansions? What is the debt service on the mortgages for those four mansions? What are the taxes on those four mansions? What's the upkeep with utilities, grounds, and everything else on those four mansions? I'll guarantee you it probably chews up all of your salary from the government. How do you afford it? You don't own a business. How do you afford this money? And nobody looks. Nobody looks at someone and says, how can they afford it? I got news for you. I have a lot of friends that work for the city of New York in the capacity of firemen, policemen, especially the police department. You have some New York City cop that was living as far above his means as Joe Biden is living above his. Everybody and his brother would be up his butt investigating him and looking to take him down and sending him to the slammer. He'd never slip through the cracks, especially, especially. Excuse me, I needed a sip. Especially if he was working in a unit in the New York City Police Department other than simply the Patrol Services Bureau. Because the police department, very good at policing itself. So what they would do is they would have a lot of people uh, assigned to the uh, Internal Affairs Service, but there's a proportionality there. So you may have one investigator on a ratio for every several hundred people on patrol. But as far as like a specialized unit where corruption is more of a risk, like narcotics or public morals or something like that, you might have one investigator for every 20 people working in those units. So the chances of slipping under the cracks or slipping through the cracks is much sharply reduced. The point I'm making here is that we have a serious problem in this country when we're holding municipal cops, New York City cops, to a higher standard than the people who are elected by us, the people, to represent us in government and are spending our money. People who vote themselves their own pay raises. Out of control. Out of control. So we have a little interesting twist of fate. The other day... I didn't do a show yesterday, but I wanted to do a good one today. The other day, I mentioned that even a broken clock is, is right twice a day. We have uh, Ilhan Omar, a couple of days ago, calling other people in Congress on the carpet, including members of the squad, like uh, AOC, Alejandria Ocasio-Cortez, because she was, she was a little pissed off because AOC took the COVID vaccine, wondering why does she deserve the COVID vaccine? You're not that important, and you're not old. You're not at risk. You're young. You're healthy. Why are you taking someone else's vaccine? Let somebody else who needs it more get it first. You can wait. And it's hard to quibble with that remark by Ilhan Omar. But now it was AOC's turn. She's saying, we need to read this bill, see where all this money's going before we sign it and send it on its way. It's kind of difficult to quibble with that either. 
So I guess they're all taking turns about being the broken clock that's right twice a day. So the other day it was Ilhan Omar, and today it's AOC. But this is what we have going on. This is the future you can look for without Donald Trump. So what are we supposed to do? Well, there's not a lot you can do. Trump, to his part, is fed up. He's fed up with this kind of fat, but he's not fed up with being president, and he's still running. He made a big speech the other day, um, last night as a matter of fact, to the nation, explaining why he's determined to pursue all avenues open to him, constitutional and otherwise. And he called on the American people to raise their voices and demand to correct the injustice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to say to you today, if you listen to what I just said about what's in this COVID bill and how Americans are being kicked to the curb and playing second fiddle to foreign entities that are getting all kinds of American money that they don't deserve and have no right to, you know exactly what President Trump is talking about. This election was stolen, plain and simple, And you have every single person from every quarter of the deep state and the establishment trying to tell you that you're a lunatic, describing everybody as lunatics. You have Karl Rove now, that piece of shit, talking about how uh, Trump is disgraceful by doing this and and, uh, Sidney Powell should be ashamed of herself, what's going on, they should just concede. These are people that are supposed to be Republicans. Now, more and more, we have Republicans coming out saying they're going to challenge this thing. We have um, quite a few Congress people now that are going to challenge the seating of the electors on January 6th, and we have quite a few senators who have come out saying they're going to challenge the seating of the electors. And there's reasons why, because there's a lot of facts here. When Trump gets up there and he says, we won the election by a landslide, we won it big, he's not lying. He spoke. He said, today I'm going to give you facts that every American needs to know. On the night of November, and, and be surprised, you may know this if you're in the know because you listen to shows like this and other shows on radio, but if you're not somebody who's actively seeking information, going out there looking for information other than what's spoon-fed to you by the mainstream media, which is no longer representative of a news uh, organization, it's just a means by which propaganda is disseminated, Uh, On the night of November 3rd, swing states, including Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, and Pennsylvania, saw a lead for Trump. However, vote counting stopped abruptly in the early hours of the next day, November 4th, and a series of massive and statistically inconceivable vote dumps in the middle of the night overturned the results. A lot of people still don't know this. Trump continued, these gigantically ridiculous one-sided spikes were miraculously just enough to push Joe Biden into the lead in all of the key swing states. These glaring anomalies are just the tip of the iceberg. The president also shared how he won Ohio, Florida, and Iowa by historic margins and won 18 of 19 bellwether counties, the forecasting counties, that have for the past 40 years correctly predicted the winner of the presidential election. This would mean that Biden would be the first candidate since 1960 and only the second candidate in American history to win the White House 
while losing all three of those major states, and it wasn't even close. He also pointed out what I pointed out before about how the, the, there was no blue wave, how the Democrats lost 25 out of 46 toss-up seats, having a net loss of 14 seats in the Congress. Trump increased his vote total by 12 million votes, more than he got in 16, more than any other incumbent president in history, the largest vote increase recorded for an incumbent president. And despite this, Joe Biden somehow managed to receive 11.7 million more votes than Barack Obama. Can't happen. It's statistically impossible. It just can't happen. And people are telling us we didn't see this. No, nothing to see here. It's like that old movie with Walter Matthau where he's he always says, deny, 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 deny. I would have to look that up and see what the name of the movie was. But in one scene, his wife comes into the bedroom and he's got another woman there. And his wife is asking, you know, what, Dolly, who's that woman? What woman? The woman right there. Sweetheart, I'm worried about you. There's nobody here. Deny, deny, deny. This is about what they're doing here. There's a woman in your bedroom and they're telling you she's not there. This is exactly what's going on here. It's incredible. It's beyond the pale what's going on. But there's still activity going on. Arizona senators now sue to enforce subpoenas for election equipment and records. Uh, This piece of garbage secretary of state in Georgia uh, saying that Georgia officials are overwhelmed running three parallel elections. Yeah, I wonder why they're overwhelmed, because they're trying to figure out how they can steal those as well. This is getting out of, time, out of hand. That's all I can say. It's getting out of hand. It's gotten way beyond the pale. And if something isn't done affirmatively and soon, we're going to lose this country. Now, we can still hold on to it in certain areas that, where the states are largely controlled by the Republican Party. But those states are going to have to be reinforced. And I've said this before. I'm going to say it again because this is going to be a common theme. The rubber is going to hit the road on January 6th. Now, between now and then, I I hope more information comes out. There's an article I want to share with you, and I'm certain that we're going to get more of these type of things as we get closer to the election. Now, Peter Navarro, he's a White House advisor. He was on... um, the war room with Steve Bannon on Monday, and he claimed that he has identified potentially 379,000 possibly illegal ballots uh, cast in Michigan. And the margin of victory in Michigan is about half of that. Okay. Now, he says, though, it's a little different than most others. In this interview, Navarro claimed that he has, quote, the receipts now to prove that votes were illegally cast in the state, saying that 174,384 ballots were cast without proper voter identification and another 195,000 or so, he said, were the product of inexplicable vote surges. Now, Navarro did not elaborate on the nature of these receipts. During a nine-hour period on November 4th, Trump had a significant lead over Joe Biden. Within five seconds, at around 6.30 a.m., Biden's total votes skyrocketed by 141,258 votes, or, in other words, 30 
times the expected vote count, citing data from the New York Times of all places. Within that same time frame, do you know how many votes Trump got? 5,968. In another instance, I'm reading this from an article in the Epic Times, which I encourage all of you to subscribe to. In another instance, at around 3.50 a.m. Eastern Time in Michigan, 54,497 votes were provided for Biden, while Trump only received about 4,718 votes during the same time. That's almost mathematically impossible. In fact, I would say it is mathematically impossible. Now, the Secretary of State in Michigan is saying it's wrong, it can't can't happen, there's no proof. There is proof. It gets back to what I said the other day. You know, unless they see communists parachuting into the United States, they're going to say it never happened. This is about as close as you can get to seeing a smoking gun as you can. Because mathematics, as I've said before, is an exact science. The laws of mathematics cannot be violated. They are in full force at all times. And for something to have happened that requires the suspension of the law of mathematics to have happened, that thing didn't happen. Not naturally. It happened artificially because somebody created it. And so between now and January 6th, I expect more of this type of information to come out. And on January 6th, if those Republicans don't step up to the plate, if these state legislatures don't really force the issue and get these new electors seated and keep Donald Trump in office, we're in very serious circumstance and the Republican Party is over. They might, might be able to survive if they make a strong enough effort and go down in flames. But if they do nothing or they concede, I will personally, and I will be personally, leading the move to finish the Republican Party by establishing an alternative party. And I had thought about what name I would use for the alternative party. I mean, I thought about bringing back some of the the great parties of our founding. There was the Federalist Party. But the Federalist Party stood for a strong centralized federal government. We don't want that. So the Federalist Party's out. The Whig Party sounds a little bit too much like old England and probably doesn't work for a contemporary term. So I think the best name for the party is the name I've heard floated in other places, the Patriot Party. That's going to be the new third party. And we're going to take this country by storm. We're going to take it back by force if necessary, but we're going to take it back because this country is being stolen. It's being stolen by subversion. It's being stolen by communists. It's being stolen by people who are willing, travelers, fellow travelers of those communist music, uh, communist uh, forces in Washington, the Nancy Pelosi's, the Chuck Schumer's, the AOC's, the Ilhan Omar's, the other fat old lunatic from Vermont. And you know who I'm talking about, Bernie Sanders. We're not having it anymore. I'm sorry to be hard and heavy with you on uh, the cusp of the holidays, but today is the 23rd. It's not Christmas Eve, so I don't want to sound like Scrooge on Christmas Eve. Instead, I'll do it the day before Christmas Eve. So keep your chin up. We're not giving up yet, and you shouldn't give up either. So once again, to all our listeners down in Australia, 
you're probably already day ahead of us. It's probably already Christmas Eve day down there. Uh, have a wonderful Christmas holiday with your families. To my friends in India, have a wonderful holiday season there as well. To my friends here in the United States, have a very, very merry Christmas. And I hope to speak to you again before the new year. And wish you good cheer and updated information. For National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.